0: Our uh, scripture reading this morning is from Matthew uh, twenty-eight sixteen through 20. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You may be seated. Well, we're finishing up this week the uh, uh, series that I've been working on for a while called Follow Me. That's one of the ideas that we want you to go away with from the series: is is to be thoughtful about the fact that at Mansfield Bible Church we are just followers of Jesus. We want you to just walk with Jesus, and that's our desire. That's our heart's desire, and so. Uh... Uh, I want to encourage you to do that. One of the things, in order to do that, is to have some tools in your toolbox, your spiritual toolbox, to know how can I walk with Jesus. What are the essential elements of walking with Christ? And so uh, we have the navigator wheel that uh, we've been uh, using as uh, as as a tool to be able to help us to understand what it is that we're supposed to do. And so on this wheel, this is the completed one. It has the application points on the left side. Let's focus on the right side here for just a minute. The blue letters, the blue words, are those words which are key words for Mansfield Bible Church. Abide, belong, and impact. We want to abide in Christ. We want it to belong to one another, and we want to impact the world around us. And so, those are three key elements uh, of, uh, uh, that, that are important to Mansfield Bible Church. Well, I put them around this navigator wheel because I, as I began this series, I realized how neatly they fit into this idea here of uh, having Christ as the center of our lives. In fact, we just sang about that, Let It Be, right? And not the Beatles version of it, but this version of it, Let It Be Jesus. Let it be Jesus, the name that we proclaim, the name that we worship. And so Jesus Christ is the center of our lives. We want to live for Christ. And so that idea that Christ is central in our lives, the central hub of our life, that everything that we do is not about religion, it's about relationship with Jesus Christ. And so... The word and the prayer, those vertical spokes, uh, have a focus on our communication with Christ. Uh, The word, we we receive uh, from uh, Christ the words that he has. We receive the word of God so that we understand what does God want us to do. And then, so he's speaking to us. And then we speak back to him in prayer. We talk to him and we we dialogue, uh, 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 talking and praying and thinking as we uh, process what he has told us in his word. And then there's that idea of fellowship, that we need one another. Uh, during this uh, peak in COVID, uh, uh have a number of friends that have, have uh, come up with COVID and they, they need prayer. They need people to care about them. They need people to bring them meals. And we, so we brought meals and I know many of you have as well. You're not alone. The Christian life is not intended for you to be by yourself, struggling through the struggles of life by yourself. It's that all of us together, we are here for one another. We are here for you. And one of the reasons that we encourage you to get involved in a small group is so that it's it's not just generally talking. Talking to one another here on Sunday mornings, but that you're involved and engaged and in interacting with other people who are struggling through life as well. And so that you bear one another's burdens, that you pray for one another, encourage one another. And that when you come on Sunday morning, you see some of those same people and you're able to interact and, 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 and continue that encouragement on. And so there's the idea of belonging to one another. And then there's that idea of impact. And Impact has a couple of different uh, options on that. One is the witnessing spoke, and then I added that other word up there, disciple. That's what we're going to talk about today. And that's actually intended in the Navigator Wheel. That's something that they are known for as discipling one another, discipling others. And so we're going to talk about what that means. But so that that idea that we witness, that we uh, uh, reach out to people and we vocalize and verbalize our faith and that we show our faith and demonstrate our faith by meeting the needs of people in our community. And so we have these application points on the left that uh, when we talked about the Word in this series, that we want to meditate on the Word and read the Word. In fact, I want to encourage you this year to read, read your Bible this year. I know I encouraged it last year. We did it, and it's like, hey, let's do this again. This was fun. As we read the Word of God together, my wife and I this year, since she's retired, have been able to spend a little more time doing it together instead of independently, and that's been a joy for me. And we've been able to to listen to the Bible being read to us. In fact, we use the the U version Bible. If you don't have that app, you need to download it. You can get so many versions of the Bible. I've I've even got Swahili on there. So whenever I go back to Tanzania, right, I can't understand a word of it yet. But uh, I know that I know the word, I know some of the words in English, and so I can go to John. And if I if I can see where I am on the passage, I can probably figure out what the Swahili word is, right? And so uh, it's a great little app and it, and it gives you so many versions of the Bible and, and you're able to actually, some versions, have it read to you. And, uh, and so you listen to the reading of God's word and then, then we do the Bible recap with uh, Tara Lee Cobble and she kind of explains and, 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 and talks about the passage and sometimes she has some insights that I think, oh, that's an interesting insight. And then there's that idea of prayer that we talked about Jesus taking and going away and departing and going to a lonely place and praying there, that time you pull away from people and you just spend time with the Lord and you do that on a regular, even on a daily basis that you spend time with him. And then the fellowship life is better together. We talked about small groups. And then witnessing, praying for those five friends. Praying for those five people that you want to see come to Christ. That are maybe family, maybe they're friends of yours. Maybe they're work associates. Maybe they're in your neighborhood. And that you list them and actually write them out. And you begin to pray for them on a regular basis. Even on a daily basis. And pray, Lord Jesus, please reach them and use me in some way. And now we're going to talk about this idea of discipleship helping others to follow Jesus. The Christian life is not just about you. It's not just about you showing up and getting your needs met and about you showing up on a Sunday morning saying, okay, what you got for me, Buckles? What, what do you have for me, Lingle? Right? It's this idea that you're, you're coming on Sunday morning and not only, God, what do you have for me, but what do you want me to do? How do you want me to step out? And do I have some news for you? Uh, we, you just prayed about God transform my mind, and so we're going to talk about this passage is mind-blowing. The passage we're going to look at today is when we grab hold of it, if you grab hold of it, you're going to, you're going to realize it's, it's a very powerful verse, and it asks something of us. And the question is, will we do it? Will we do what God asks of us? And the question that I'm going to ask you today is, who is your one? Who is that one person, the passage said, make disciples, who is your one that you're going to invest in this year? Because that's an important thing for us to understand. In fact, when I first came to Christ in 1972, I came out of a church tradition that was very uh, did not focus on the, on the Word of God. Did not fo- it just focused on religion and following religious principles. I didn't know my Bible. We par- carried a book of common prayer. And, and I didn't even pr- have to pray because all the prayers were written out. All I had to do was read the prayer. And they were w- beautifully written. But it wasn't from my heart. It was from somebody else's long ago that wrote those prayers out. And so uh, one of the things that uh, when I first came to Christ in 1972, I was in Austin, Texas. I didn't know my Bible. And here I was, uh, and this guy told me, he says, you know what 2 Timothy 2.2 2 says? It says, you need to invest in other people. In fact, in 2 Timothy 2.2, uh, that passage says, what you have heard from me, you, Timothy, heard from me, Paul, in the presence of many witnesses, entrust a faithful man, let's see, Paul, Timothy, faithful men, who will be able to teach others also. Others also. Four generations. Paul, Timothy, faithful men, others also. If you want to see how that's drawn out in a diagram, uh, I've got a diagram of that where it shows that Paul invested in Timothy, but he also invested in Titus, and he also invested in Epaphras, and we know a lot of other names that he invested in, but here's three. And they invested in faithful men, so you see Timothy's investment, and then you see the others also. And it's the idea of multiplication. In our passage today, we see these, this, uh, uh, we're going to be using uh, the letter C. uh, I almost feel like this is Sesame Street all of a sudden. Um, (laughs) The letter C is the idea uh, of the idea of uh, uh, of this is the Great Commission, right? This passage is known as the Great Commission. And I I was thinking, you know, uh, this idea, this multiplication principle is the Great Calculator. Because the question is, is how can we calculate reaching the world? Acts 1.8 told us, we looked at last week, told us that we need to to reach Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, remotest part of the earth. So if we start, they started where they they were. So if we start Mansfield, Texas, United States, remotest part of the earth, that would kind of uh, incorporate a little bit of that idea. And so if we're going to do that, and that seems like an overwhelming task, how can we, just us, a a group of people, reach our world for Jesus Christ? By the Great uh, great Commission, we do it by multiplication. And if you do this idea of multiplication, you realize that that purple line is if you were to reach 100,000 people a day by addition... It would take 192 years to reach our planet for Christ. And that number may be a little bit off, but it's around that, give or take, a few years, right? How many of us are going to live to be 192? I hope I don't, really. I mean, that sounds painful, right? (laughs) But if we reached one disciple every year, you look at that green line, for a long time it's not much. And then all of a sudden, boom. In 33 years. In most of our lifetimes. Of course, if that's my lifetime, I'm going to be 90, 100 years old right at that point. 33 years from now. I'm, I'm game. I'm game for that. Just not 192. And, and, you know, there's none of us living 192, but we can reach the world in our lifetime. I mean, think about that. 33 years. Not that hard to do. If you reached 100,000 a day, there's no way you can disciple all of those. But you spend a year with one person, you can disciple them. And then they reach another person that next year and you just keep adding pretty soon, exponentially. I mean, we all think about that in terms of our retirement, don't we? We think in terms of compound interest, right? And so you invest a little bit now and over a 40-year period, then it grows to a point where you can hopefully retire. And it's this same idea of multiplication God thought of at first. And so there's this idea that if we're going to reach the world for Christ, think about it. When you look at this passage, it wasn't the great speakers of his day that that, that Jesus was speaking to. He was speaking to 11 disciples. These were fishermen, tax collectors. They weren't even professional theologians. They weren't professional clergy. They were just people. God, his plan is to reach the world, not through the Matt Chandlers of this world, not through the Tony Evans of this world, not through all the greatest speakers, whoever you follow in this world. It's you and me. We're the plan. We're it. We're the plan. And at first you think, oh my, God's in real trouble if we're the plan, right? (laughs) And yet he's, think about the fact that we came to Christ, most likely because of just some Average Joe, average Jane, just average person that just reached into our lives, invited us into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we think, wow, those people around us invested in us and God's saying, I want you to do the same. Part of being a disciple of Jesus Christ is is investing in other people's lives. And he wants us to do that. And in fact, it's very clear here, make disciples. And so here's what we got to ask ourselves. We just sang about, Lord, take my heart and, and, uh, uh, and change it. I can't remember the word there. Take my mind, transform it. Take my will, conform it, right? So take my mind and transform it. This is already a mind-blowing concept for most. And many of you, the minute I say, oh, not me, I'm, I, I, I don't speak well, I'm, I'm not good at public speaking, I'm, I, I'm, I'm a coward. I mean, all these things that you're thinking inside, right? And God's saying, no, I still want you to be the one to reach somebody else. You don't have to be a great teacher. I mean, look at these fishermen, look at, look at who they were. They didn't, they didn't know much either. I want you to reach this world. I want you to reach out to those who are around you. I want you to minister to them. I want you to serve them. I want you to love them. I want you to, to be kind to them. More people are loved to Jesus than anything else. You just reach out and begin to love people around you. And it's amazing what the opportunities are that you'll give uh, in terms of reaching them for Christ. And so when we think about that, we think it's not that hard to do. In 1972, I was a, I was a freshman at the University of Texas at Austin and some guys reached out to me, and I accepted Christ as my Savior. And, and they shared with me that 2 Timothy 2.2 idea that I need I'm, now it's on me. To, and I said, well, I don't know anything. That's all right. You just need to know a little bit. You, need, you just need to be one step ahead of the next person. Okay, well, I can do that, I guess. Depends on who I run into. I mean, all these things run in my head, right? And so I began to reach out, and I, I met this guy named Steve. Steve was a guy that was, uh, it kind of, Timothy reminds me of him, because uh, Timothy had a Jewish mother and a, and a Greek father. Well, this guy had a Jewish mother and a Gentile father, and he was a philosophy major. I was a music major. I didn't know much about philosophy. And I didn't know much about my Bible either. I couldn't even find the books in the Bible. I mean, I had to look in the index, right? And find out, where, oh, oh, that's where that book is. And so I, I, I meet this guy named Steve and I, and I started, we started meeting every week. I'd go at his place about seven o'clock and it would be two or three in the morning. Sometimes we'd still be talking and going after it and finally go, man, we got class tomorrow. We got to break off, but you can do those kind of things in college because you can sleep in class. I guess, uh, I don't, I didn't say that, um, but, you know, here we are, That we were, we were these, these, uh, uh, having these, this dialogue, and I'm, I'm sitting there, and he's asking me questions, and I'm like, you know, I don't know the answer to that, but I'll get back to you. And then I'd go back, and I'd ask somebody, what's the answer to this? And they'd say, well, you need to read this and read that. And so I'd read that, and I'd do a little study, and I'd get back to him, give him the answer. And then he asked me another question. What it did was, ministering to somebody else was different than just showing up to church. To show up to the church, I could almost sleep through the sermon, Right? And I know y'all would never do that. But uh, I can almost sleep through the sermon. But when I was investing in somebody else's life, all of a sudden, when I heard, heard the Word of God preached, I heard somebody giving answers. I was like, oh, yeah, that's, that's what I've been looking for. And I'd, I'd write it down. And then I'd go back to him. Hey, I, I found the answer. And, I, and we'd, we'd go at it. We'd go back and forth. The existence of God. I mean, the whole, whole shebang. Four months later, Steve accepted Christ. And then I got a chance to show him the navigator wheel and say, hey, now you need to spend some time in the word of God. You need to spend time with Jesus so you get to know him. Because that's what, that's what this is all about. It's not about a religious thing that we do. This is about getting to know the God of the universe. That's amazing. That's just mind-blowing. And you will not believe what that would do to your... And, and, and so I began to help him with that and help him learn how to pray. I mean, the first prayers, I love the first prayers of people when they first come to Christ. They've never been around the Lord. Uh, I mean, they're, they're amazing. You know, they'll say, dear Lord, you know, this is Greg. And, and well, I'm the one that's in Breckenridge Hall over there. And, and, uh, and my phone number, I mean, it's like, they're all, you know, it's like, what are you going to give the Social Security? I mean, God knows who you are. Just talk to him. But when you don't know, it's just kind of, you kind of struggle and you're kind of fighting through that. And so you help somebody learn how to just talk to God. How to listen to God through the word. How to be a part of of a body of Christ, how to, how to reach out beyond yourself and know this isn't just an inward thing that we do. This is, this is an external, and we reach, we reach beyond ourselves. And what I found was is that as he began to grow in Christ, I got excited, and I began to see something I'd never really seen before, and that's the hand of God at work. Because I would pray, Lord, give me wisdom, and he'd give me wisdom to how to to answer a question. I'd say, Lord, please help him to come to Christ, and he came to Christ. I mean, I began to see God's hand at work in different ways, and when we're not invested in doing things for the Lord, we we miss out on seeing his hand at work. And so then we wonder, well, does God work in our world? And so there's a person that, that doesn't expect to see God's hand at work and never sees it, even though it's happening all around him. And then there's the one who's beginning to invest in other people and they begin to pray things and they begin to see people's lives being changed and they're going, wow, God did that. I didn't do that. I didn't lead Steve to Christ. I mean, I may say I led Steve to Christ. I didn't do that. I was just kind of the vessel that just kind of showed up and bumbled along and didn't know what I was doing. And yet God used that to sharpen me and grow me and make me different than I'd ever been before. And when I began to invest in people and see lives change and see the hand of God at work, I became so enamored with our God. I became so excited about my faith. And, I, and, and it was one of the things that God used to lead me into the ministry. I couldn't wait to be involved in other people's lives. Well, this guy named Steve, I met up with him about four years later. We didn't have social media, so we didn't keep up, right? Uh, unless you wrote letters, and I, I didn't, I wasn't very good at that. And so we didn't keep up with each other, and then he asked me to be a part of his wedding, to be in uh, one of his uh, groomsmen. And so I get there, and I get to talk to him, and I found out he started four churches. Wow. Didn't expect that. Didn't see that coming. And so, and then fast forward a little bit later, about ten years ago, we had a disciple. Now I was over at the Wobigs' house, like we like we used to do um, every the, fir- the Friday. We would have all the kids over, students over, and we would we would do some singing together. And 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 and, and we hired some people from DBU, some students from DBU to help uh, be some of the counselors because we had a lot of kids. And so we hired these these students uh, or these yeah students from DBU. And this one girl that came came up to me when we were there and said. Um, are you Greg Buckles? And I said, yes, because she didn't know who I was. And she told me her name. And she told me her dad's name. And she started crying. And she said, we've, we've talked about your name. Your name has come up in our home ever since I was a little kid. About how you invested in my dad. And I was thinking, I mean, I was just so overwhelmed with Joy. It touched my heart so deeply to think that here in 1972 I invested in this guy and I didn't know what I was doing. And God said, it's all right, let me take care of it. I'm going to do some things that's going to blow your mind. And then there's four churches started and a the family that's changed and, 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 and it's, as I know as far as I know, still going on. And I think that's what God has for all of us. He wants it for you. He wants it for me. He wants us to think. He wants me to think, Greg, you're 67. If you live to 80, where are the, who are the 13 people more that you're going to invest in between now and, nine, and, and the time of your 80? And he's wanting you to know. Where, where are the people that he wants you to invest in however many years that you've got till 80? And if you just use that as a number, maybe 90. Or maybe you're very ambitious, 192. But... Um, but whatever God has for you, you're going to be blessed by it. He doesn't give us this command because he goes, okay, now I'm giving you the hard stuff. This is the hard thing that you got to do. No, he's going, I can't wait for you to do this so that I can get involved in your life and so that you can see my hand at work and so that you can be blessed with, uh, uh, amazingly throughout your life. That's what he has for us. And he wants it for us. And he commands it of us. It's part of the Christian life that many times we don't realize that we are designed to do. Remember what he told the disciples? Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. He he wants us as we follow him. Part of following him is, is, is being involved in people's lives. That's what that's talking about. And so we look at this passage that we have before us. Matthew 28. And it start, as we start in verse 16, it says, "Now to the 11 disciples, or now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had directed them." And we think, well, when did that happen? Well, you back up a little bit to, verse, to chapter 26. They're in the upper room. It's part of the upper room discourse that we miss. we don't think about. Uh, In fact, they've just uh, had the Lord's Supper. They uh, sang a hymn, and then they went to the Mount of Olives. So this may have happened on the Mount of Olives. It says, Then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. So he told them, I'm going to be in Galilee. I want you to go there. Then in chapter 28, when the it says in uh, chapter 28, verse 1, it says, Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. How would you like to be the other Mary? (laughs) You don't have a name. You're just the other Mary. One day I'm going to get to heaven. Where's the other Mary? I want to meet her. Uh, It says, It went to the the tomb, and there was an angel of the Lord. And the angel said, in verse 7, he is going before you to Galilee there you will see him. In John chapter 21 we see the disciples and they're fishing. They've gone to Galilee and they're fishing. So we know that they're around the Sea of Galilee. They're at on the Sea of Galilee, right? They're fishing. Best fishing spot in the Sea of Galilee is the northern uh, part uh, uh, that uh, has seven springs. Freshwater springs is best fishing in the, in the whole lake. Today it's called Heptapagon, which means seven springs. The feeding of the 4,000 uh, happened uh, right around, or 5,000 happened right there. And then there's the Mount of Beatitudes... And then there's Capernaum. Capernaum was where Jesus, uh, was base of operations. And, and so all of these are very close in proximity. So the disciples, we know they're, they're on the shore of the sea of, Gal- or, uh, on the sea of Galilee. We know Jesus is standing on the shore. And he tells them in John 21, uh, I want you to cast the net on the other side. That happened earlier in the ministry. They went ahead and I'm sure they were you know, rolled their eyes at that moment. You know, that's a moment you go, ah, we've been fishing all night, come on. Whoever you are out there on the shore, you're telling me to do this. Because they didn't realize who he was. And they throw it in there full of fish. Peter jumps in the water. He knows exactly who that is. That's happened before. And then Jesus tells him, do you love me? Three times he tells him, do you love me? Feed my sheep. The focus is not on you, Peter. It's on on feeding the sheep. It's on reaching beyond yourself. He's he's focused on that. And Peter denied him, remember? Remember? Three times. I love the passage that says, go tell the disciples and Peter. Jesus wanted Peter to know, yeah, you messed up royally, but I love you. And I still have a plan for you. And that plan is to reach beyond yourself and reach people around on this planet. And he has that same desire for us. And so he... He, he goes to Galilee, they go to Galilee, and, and by the way, why did they go to Galilee? Why not stay in Jerusalem? In fact, they were going to need to be in Jerusalem. Jesus told them in Acts, you know, stay in Jerusalem, you'll receive the Holy Spirit. And, and, then, and they did, and then they, in Acts 2, they received the Spirit, and 3,000 were reached. So why go to the Galilee? When you go to Israel with me in June, if, it, if they open up, you'll see why. We, we, we get an opportunity to be on a boat on the Sea of Galilee, and you can see you know, this, this, this miracle of uh, that, that God, all the miracles that, that Jesus did there, the miracle of the catching, the miracle of walking on the water, and, and you look and you see where Capernaum is, and you see where the Mount of Beatitudes is, and it was very close. I think that's the mountain, but commentators don't know. The text doesn't tell us, but it's all right there in the same proximity, and, and so here they are, and, and, they, and, and, and they're, they're, they've got the disciples. are. Uh, uh, um, I just forget where I was going. I drew this beautiful picture, and then I can't remember where I was headed with that. But uh, this idea that uh, uh, here we are, here the disciples are, Jesus has a plan for them. He wants them to make disciples. It says, and when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Now, some have asked the question, Is, is what is this they worshipped him, but some doubted? Where uh, is it some of the disciples? Some, is that the some? Some commentators will say, oh, the some was a different group of people that, uh, than the they. So there's a they and the some. They worshipped, some doubted, so the, they might be the 11 disciples and there must have been some other people around. We don't know if that's the case. We know that from John's gospel in John 21, there's only seven disciples mentioned. Here, there are 11 disciples mentioned. Which one is it? Well, it's probably 11, but he just focused on the seven in John. And here, Matthew focuses on the 11. Uh, In Acts chapter 1, we know that there were 120 others that began to meet with the disciples. And so, were some of those here? Apparently so. But if they were... The interesting thing to me is that Jesus didn't run them off. Oh, you're doubting? Here I am. I'm raised from the dead. I'm right here. Why are you still doubting? I mean, you can imagine somebody saying that and say, get out of here if you're going to keep doubting. No, he didn't say that. He knows our hearts. He knows our struggles. And he was willing to keep those, even who were struggling with faith at that moment around him. But there were some that worshipped him in that moment. It says, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And you think, wait a minute, wait a minute, Jesus. What do you mean all authority? Don't you have all authority? You're fully God and fully man. Don't you already have all authority? He did have all authority. So what is it, this passage referring to? Nobody's completely sure. I think that that all authority, the focus is not necessarily on the source of it, not that it's been given to him, but the fact that this all authority that's been given to him is what he is going to use with his disciples, with those who are disciples, with those who are followers of his, in order to help us to make disciples, All authority has been given to him to give us whatever we need. We have everything we need for life and godliness. God has that for us. And he wants us to use that to reach another person. To reach somebody else. To reach beyond ourselves. And not only for that person's sake but for our own good. Because it touches our heart. It makes us, uh, when I read the word of God, after when I'm investing somebody else's life, I'm reading and all of a sudden, oh wow, there's the answer. I've been looking for this. Or I'm hungry. I'm more hungry when I'm investing in someone else than whenever I'm just kind of showing up for myself. So all authority. In fact, there are four alls in this passage. All authority. Verse 19, all nations. Verse 20, Observe all that I've commanded you, and then I am with you always. So these four alls, that as we think about it, he's going to give us all authority in order to reach all nations so that we will uh, teach them everything, including this command, by the way. That's how I know that it's not just intended for these 11 disciples. Okay, you guys make disciples, the rest of the church, you're off the hook. all generations. No, he's saying saying, "I I want you to teach everybody that you disciple that they're supposed to make disciples too. So this passage is really, we talk about this passage is about making disciples. No, this passage is about making disciple makers. Helping people to learn how to minister to someone else through the all nations. And he'll be with us always. Never leave us, ever forsake us. He's there for us. You're not alone. And you're not alone in this task. Will it take courage to step out and minister to someone else? Absolutely. I remember when I first met Steve, I, I was like, man, Lord, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to, how to help him. And we just got to talking and he would ask me these questions. And I didn't know how to answer them. But I began to grow in Christ in ways that, that blew me away. All authority has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples. There's, there's four verbal ideas in this, in this uh, next two verses. Go, make disciples, baptize, teach. And if I were to ask you a question, which of these four is the main idea? Because three of them are participles and they support that main idea. So what is the main verbal idea? Most people, if I were to ask you, and I won't, because uh, I, I don't want you to say, oh, it's this one, and then I say, no, that's not it, and you go, ooh, I'm not ever answering that again, right? The main verb is make disciples. We think the main verb, because we've heard this passage preached in a lot of missions conferences, as Go. That this is, the, this is for missionaries. This, is the, this passage only applies to missionaries. It's only for those who are going somewhere else to another country to be a missionary and minister to someone else. But that's not what this is. This is for every believer. And that first word is going. So it doesn't, and, 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 and it has been translated as you go. And so then there's those who would say, oh, it's as you go. So just living in the here and now, uh, reaching those people you're around. And then those who say, no, it's a missions verse. We need to go and we need to reach people in other countries. And so don't, don't, don't interpret it that way because then it takes away from the missions idea. Here's what I've found to be true everywhere I go, if I'm on my mind is ministering to other people, loving them to Jesus, helping serve them and reaching out to them. What I found is, is that, that we are in such a mobile world that you could never leave this town. You know, your, our Jerusalem. You know, they said Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, remotest part of the world. If we said Mansfield, Texas, uh, uh, United States, that's all Samaria, right? Right. Um, Remotest part of the earth. You know, you could reach Mansfield and never, I mean, reach the world and never leave Mansfield, Texas. I've traveled to a number of different countries, but i probably reached more of the world from, from where I've been. From reaching people when I was living in Arlington, reaching people when I was living in Austin, reaching people when I've lived here. And I have people that I've been able to minister to that are in, in uh, other places in the world, Indonesia, Malaysia, other places. And I've never been to those countries. We can reach the world as we go. Should some go? Absolutely. I mean, we make our trips to Ecuador and Tanzania. I'd love to have you as part of those trips. But even if you didn't do that, if you just make disciples here, you never know that the person that you led to Christ, your Steve, is not going to start four churches, and there's going to be missionaries that go out from those four churches. It just, it's mind-blowing what God can do, and he takes the simple thing that we do, and he, he blows it up. He makes it incredible. And you see his hand at work. It's the great calculation, Right? For the great claim of all authority, through the great commission that we need to be those who make disciples, and we do it as we go, and sometimes going overseas is involved in that. We do it through baptism. We saw that happening here today. And this idea of baptizing carries, uh, uh, carries the idea that we're leading people to Christ. That if you remember the navigator wheel, that there's that witness component, and then there's that disciple component. We're, we're sharing our faith, we're sharing the gospel. And we want people to know Jesus died for you. And if you put your faith in Jesus, you'll have eternal life. Faith alone in Christ alone. Through the word of God alone, to the glory of God alone, by the grace of God alone. We know that we just put our faith in Jesus. It's not, as we've talked about before, the gospel is not about my achievement and my being good enough. Jesus has already done the work. It's about me receiving him and him in the great exchange. He takes my sin and he imputes to me his righteousness, which I don't deserve, but which I'm very grateful for. And that we teach. Now, some of you would say, well, I'm not a teacher. You don't have to be a teacher. When, in 1972, I wasn't a teacher either. I was a music major. I was somebody who was just playing my instrument, right? I didn't know much about teaching. I, I had a lot to learn. And yet every one of us is a teacher. Every one of us who have kids know that we have to learn to teach them. Every one of us that that has a friend that we're trying to help to understand something, we teach them things one-on-one. Every one of us is a teacher, but even if you weren't, this command still is for all of us. Let's make disciples. I can tell you, it'll be one of the most exciting things that you will ever do and ever get involved in if you take God at his word. If you believe what you're saying, Lord, transform me. Conform my will to yours. Well, we know what his will is. Make disciples. Will you do it? That's really the question. The one question. Will you do it? Will you make disciples? Who is your one that you're going to be working with this year? 2022 starts, no time like the present, right? As you pray for those five, maybe it's one of those five that, that God helps you to, to say, you know, I'm going to invest there. As you reach beyond yourself, your problems are going to look smaller as you help somebody else with theirs. And your God's going to look bigger as you, as you begin to see, hey, God can work in and through this. And as you see his hand at work, it's going to transform you in a way that you can't imagine. It's intoxicating in a sense to see God's hand at work and you think, I want, I want more of this. I want to see God working. God loves it. He delights in it when we reach out beyond ourselves. And as we do, Christ is the center of our lives. And he transforms us and changes us in ways we could never imagine. Let's pray. Father, we come to you and we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for your amazing grace. We thank you that that somebody took this command seriously to make disciples and invested in us. Somebody took the command seriously that we're supposed to be the ones witnessing and led us to Jesus. May have been a pastor, may have been a Uh, a family member, it may have been someone else. Lord, I just thank you that people have taken that command seriously over the generations, and I pray that we would. Father, who knows who we're going to reach. Father, I pray that each one of us would reach someone like Steve, who would make a difference in in the place where he's planted. Lord, I pray that you would just guide us and lead us. We so long to have you as the central part of our lives so that we live for you. You want to conform us to the image of Christ and I know part of that conformity is that we become those who invite others to know you. Just like Jesus did, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Lord, I pray that we would be like our Savior and be invitational. We'd be like our God and be invitational, inviting people to a relationship with God, to a better eternity, for a better eternity, for a better life here and now. Lord, help us not to just be about ourselves on our spiritual lives. Help us to be about others. Help us to love others to Jesus. Help us to love one another. Help us to be those who would commit to discipling others in our lives. I can't wait to see what you're going to do, Father, for those who take this challenge and run with it. So, Lord, we love you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.